Hey, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast from Vital Point Church. My name is Ron. I'm the pastor here at Vital Point. We believe that it's important for people to explore and grow in their faith. And my hope, my prayer is that this message that you're listening to will draw you closer to better understanding how you can live out your faith journey in the everyday life. Sit back and enjoy. Hey everyone, my name is Ron and I'm the lead pastor here at Vital Point Church. We're a multi-site church that has a passion of starting churches in small towns. One of the convictions that we have is that uh, Jesus is walking through small towns again and he's inviting us to follow him and to start more churches in small towns. We're wrapping up our teaching series today and it's hard to believe that it's been 10 weeks long. We've been examining the teachings of Jesus on what is called the Sermon on the Mount. Now, for those of you that are new to Vital Point Church, you need to know this is what we do. We take a topic or we take a a theme and we build it out over the course of a series and we put messages around it. And sometimes they're three weeks, sometimes they're 10 weeks. Like our summer series, uh, we were going in a certain direction for it and we believe we needed to change it. So we're going to be looking this summer at the I am statements of Jesus and I can't wait for our summer series. When we planned the series, Jesus Said What?, the series, the series was planned like months ago. I had no idea how God was going to use this. The response from you as a community has been one of readiness and uh, a readiness for direct conversations and clarity around the biblical teachings of Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount. And it's been wonderful. I've sensed a real uh, uh, readiness. I've sensed you leaning in and prepared to absorb the teachings of Jesus. And I know that some points it's been really heavy. Like our connect groups that have been focused on the conversations from Sunday mornings that during the week, the material that you've been wrestling through has been heavy at times, but I believe it's giving us clarity as to what it means to be a human within the context of God's kingdom and to submit ourselves to his reign in our lives. I want to thank David and Amy, our, our other two teaching members. What you don't know behind the scenes is Amy, David, and myself, we work hard uh, with each other working on our messages, and we read each other's messages, and we encourage each other and help fine-tune them, and I just want to publicly thank the two of them. There's two things that are emerging for me before we get into the deeper conversation today of the closing of our, of our series. Observation number one is this from the series, Jesus cares for the heart. He cares for the heart of every person who hears his teaching. See, the Sermon on the Mount is, is looking at these external realities of religious activity and takes them to a deeper part of transformation of the heart. Many of the teachings would start with this idea of, you have heard that it was said, and he, was, he would extract something from the Old Testament, and then he would drive it a little bit deeper into our hearts. For example, he might say, you have heard that it said, do not commit adultery, but I say, if you look at someone with lustful intent, you've committed adultery in your heart. See, Jesus understood What Solomon wrote is that the heart needs to be guarded because it is the wellspring of life. Our heart is that place. It's that seated place where our passions, our dreams, our our aches, our pains, our sorrow hides in there. It's the things that we fixate on. And Jesus says that we are to protect it, that we are to consider the realities of a relationship with him in the deep matters of the heart. I love how Jesus has taken us to the heart of the matter of what does it mean to follow him. The other thing that we've noticed, and we're going to land on this today, is that Jesus cares about obedience. I want you to think about this. Jesus 
was not a knowledge-based teacher, okay? Jesus was actually an obedience-based teacher because he realized that faithful obedience is where faith matures, The truth that we've looked at over the last nine weeks are not suggestions. They're not good tips to a better life. It's an expectation of follow through. We're about to see in the section that we're looking at as Jesus wraps up the Sermon on the Mount is that there's an obedience factor when it comes to faith. You have a choice to make into the teachings of Jesus. Do you choose to follow or do you choose to ignore? We're going to see this in this next section as we realize that Jesus opens up the the reality of what obedience looks like within God's kingdom. I want to read it for you as we consider him caring about our obedience as followers of him. And if you're not yet a follower of him, this will give you clarity as to what does it mean to become a follower of him. I want to read it for you, Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. It says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. What we need to understand is that Jesus was sitting down teaching these truths. He was in a seated position. Now, at first read of that, you might consider what's the big deal? Teachers in our day typically stand, whether it's in a classroom in the public school system or whether it's a a post-secondary, the teachers often stand. Jesus sat teaching this Sermon on the Mount, which is captured for us in the beginning. Matthew wrote about this in Matthew chapter 5, where he says he went up to the Mount and he sat down. Sitting down is giving clarity and understanding to the kingdom of heaven, and he's teaching from a place of expectation for the listener to follow through. When a rabbi sat, it was a place of authority, and as he gained trust with the crowd, there would be an expectation of a response. And so when Matthew records this for us in the last few verses of the Sermon on the Mount, he would say that the people were astonished at the teachings of Jesus because he taught with a person of authority, not like the scribes. The key to Jesus' authority was not just of his own words, but it was the fact that Jesus had spent time with the Father and the presence of the Heavenly Father, which gave authority to his teachings. This is so important when we understand the power of and the authority of the teachings of Jesus. It came from God the Father himself. Side note on this, one of the things that we as a teaching team have been talking a lot about is this. We've been talking a lot about that the amount of time that we spend in the presence of God in preparation, in study, in silence, in writing, and giving these talks. We recognize the more time we spend in the presence of God, the more authority there is in our teaching, not based on us, not based on me, not based on David or Amy, but is the presence of God is a reality. So when he lands this sermon on the mount, he's letting the listeners know, I have an expectation of you, and that is obedience to the teachings. Now, he gives 
contrasts here. I love what Jesus does in the contrast in his teachings. He talks about someone who's like a wise person and like a foolish person, someone who builds their house on a rock and someone who builds their house on sand. Let's break this down and kind of dive in a little bit. Let's review verses 23 and 24. It says, everyone who hears my words, these words of mine, and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. See, right off the beginning of this part of Jesus' teaching is this, is that everyone who hears these words of mine, we must be prepared to first hear the teachings of Jesus. And another section of the teachings, Jesus would sometimes say, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. When Jesus used the word hear, we must understand that he's not talking about the simple aspect of hearing the words. What he's talking about is allowing the teachings to come into our ear and land within us and stick. Now, there's sometimes when my wife talks to me, guys, you may know what I'm talking about here. Sometimes I hear her, but it doesn't land and and that creates an interesting conversation, especially if I'm watching like the Leaf game and she wants to talk. I hear her, but I'm not listening to her. And she makes it clear to me that I need to work on that part of my life. See, what Jesus is saying here is those that are intent on learning will tune their ears to my voice and will hear me. It's in through the ear and down into the heart and it doesn't pass right through. When we gather on a Sunday morning, there is a responsibility that we have to tune our ears to what the Holy Spirit of God is teaching us. And how the Holy Spirit does that is sometimes highlighting something maybe in a song. Like there's sometimes when when um, when Josh is leading us in worship on a Sunday morning in Poplar Hill where I spend the vast majority of my time or other worship leaders and other side. There's sometimes when there's a line in the song and it just lands for me or there's a phrase in the message or a conversation after the service. It can even be sometimes something that's not said. One of the most amazing things to me is someone comes up to me and they'll say, Ron, I was so impacted when you said this. And I realized that I didn't say it, but God was speaking and you heard. Or on a Sunday morning, when you've been talking about something in the week or dealing with something, and then we speak into it on a Sunday morning, you're like, how did you know? It's because you had ears to hear. See, the ears to hear are part of faith. Jesus said this clearly in John chapter 10, verse 27. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. See, we have an expectation for God to speak to us, but have we ever thought that he has an expectation for us to learn how to tune our ears to his voice, to remove the distractions so that we can actually hear him? See, his desire for you to hear him far outweighs your desire to hear his voice. Did you ever think about that? But oftentimes we're not willing to do the work to hear, to tune our ears to his truth. See, the greatest opposition to hearing the voice of Jesus is we've allowed the voices of the world to drown out his teaching. Hearing the voice of Jesus Hearing his truth, hearing his teaching takes practice. It's learning, it's sitting, it's discerning his voice. 
do you hear his voice? When you gather together in community, like in a Sunday gathering or in your connect group, or even when you're maybe listening to some music that's faith-based in your car and you got it cranked right up and the sub is like pounding the windows, do you actually hear him? But notice something about what Jesus says. It's more than just simply hearing. I love this. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, highlight that, circle that, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. If we want a firm foundation of life and faith, we must be prepared to obey the teachings of Jesus. And when we do, it secures our life so that when things hit us, we won't shift. When the, wind, when the wind comes, when the rain hits, when the floods rise up, we will be secure. See, faith is not just simply sitting in church for an hour on a Sunday and then going about our week as we wish. To be a disciple of Jesus, we are to follow so closely that we know his voice and we submit to our lives to his teaching through obedience. Jesus is the author of life and truth. He is the way, he is the life, he is the truth, and it is our responsibility to walk in obedience. And when we do, we will be like a wise person who builds their house on a rock. I kind of see this as an illustration I wanna use with you. I've used in the past. When I think about obedience and following his teachings, have you ever bought something from Ikea? And you get it out and you put it all out in the living room. It's like a dresser. And then you look at the instructions and you think to yourself, hey, pff, they really don't know what they're doing. They don't know how to put this together. And so you throw the instructions away and you get partway through building the dresser and you got to deconstruct it because you didn't follow the instructions. James, the half-brother of Jesus he had a lot to say about what does it mean to live in obedience with faith and works. Look what he says in James 2, 26. He says, for as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also apart from, uh, so also faith apart from works is dead. When a person, when a person's spirit leaves their body, there's no life. It's that last breath and then they're gone. Just as, just as the, as the body needs the spirit, the spirit needs the body, and the two work together. So it is with faith. Faith is a critical piece of obedience. Is a critical piece of faith, and in our willfulness and our in our willful obedience, it activates our faith. If there's no obedience, then our faith, as if it's lifeless and dead. See, obedience to Jesus' teaching activates and matures our faith. I want you, I'm gonna put this up for you. Evidence of ears that hear is a life formed by obedience to the way of Jesus. See, it's very possible to have a lot of knowledge about God in the Bible and live with the illusion of a strong faith. See, the proof of a strong, resilient faith is when the wind comes, the rain comes, and the floods come. That is the proof and the evidence of a resilient, strong faith. It's able to withstand those things because it's built on a firm foundation. Uh, I remember early in the lockdown a few years ago, I did an Instagram live and I actually spoke about the reality of this being, this season being the great revealer of the foundation of our faith. And it was this moment where I started thinking about the songs that we sing at church 
you know, pre-lockdown, we would sing these songs with great enthusiasm. But what I realized when the rain comes and the wind comes and the flood comes, it reveals whether or not we truly believe in the words that we sing on a Sunday morning. The foundations are revealed and it reveals what we were building on. And sometimes it comes crashing down. You know, there's these moments where, you know, church people will come to me and they'll say things like, I just want deeper teaching. And I've been around a long time and I've heard it many times. And this comes from a heart of, of a true, what I believe is a true genuine desire to grow in knowledge. And knowledge is good and we need to know knowledge. I mean, part of our vision statement is to, is to, uh, is to explore and go in our knowledge of Jesus and commitment to his church. It's, it's part of who we are. And I understand that, but we must see that obedience activates the deeper things of faith. We talked about loving our neighbors a few weeks ago. It was a great talk. You might walk, you may have walked away from that or watched that and you thought to yourself, man, that was a really good talk. But you know where we learn to love our neighbors is, or to love our enemies is when we learn to pray for them and ask God to bless them. Or we hear a message on tithing and giving and we walk away and go, wow, that was a real, that was a dinger. That was just so good. You know, they hit it out of the park, but you're not walking in obedience and not learning to have your treasure, your heart follow your treasure towards the things of God. I even think about baptism coming up. There are some of us that really have sensed this pull to get baptized and, and, and we're like, and you think, you, you think it through and it's like, okay, I, th- I believe I need to do this, but the lack of obedience is holding you back. See, obedience activates our faith and the deeper part of who we are. Jesus says, those who hear and do are those who are wise and build on a firm foundation. How amazing is that? that Jesus makes it as clear as he does. But he also makes it clear in the other direction. He also makes it clear, and what does it mean to hear and not follow through? Let me read it for you. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Jesus makes it very clear. This person hears, but chooses not to do anything with it, is like a foolish. Now, remember, he doesn't call them foolish. He says, like a foolish person who builds their house on the sand. Jesus is teaching in a, in a culture and environment where there's lots of rocky ground. And uh, the illustration is perfect for the setting because they could, could have looked around. They could have saw the rocks. And, and as they moved closer to the water, there would have been sandy. And, and people would have been like, this is ridiculous. You don't build your house on the sand. I mean, if you went to the beach today with your kids and you built a castle and then you went back next week, I can guarantee that castle in the sand will not be there. Jesus says, like a foolish person builds a house on the sand. I, I did a little study on the word foolish and and discovered something from the book of Proverbs that I think is important for us. It really stuck with me. Proverbs 18.2, it says, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion, right? 
So we're talking about following and obedient to the teachings of Jesus. So we take no pleasure in understanding. We don't want that teaching. We don't, we resist that teaching, but we rely upon our own opinion. If you've ever been around someone that doesn't know how to have a conversation and all they do is share their opinion and they're not interested in you and it's not a two-way street, it's like they're a hard person to be around, right? We all know that. It's awkward. But we recognize that they're not willing to set that aside. I was thinking about this a little bit as I thought about the like a foolish person and as it relates to the Proverbs 18, I've recognized that a person only willing to express their opinion has allowed pride into their lives. See, pride is actually the enemy of wisdom because it's it it's not willing to open up to the understanding and the truth and the teachings of Jesus. A fool will listen to the teachings of Jesus and say, I don't need it because my way is better. I know what's better. I mean, I'll never forget when I heard celebrities start saying, your greatest power is your truth. Now, I want to speak about pride for a minute in a very gracious uh, posture of humility here in a loving posture. We hear a lot about pride this month, right? All of us do. Uh, we see it everywhere we go. But I want to speak a word of warning here for us. And it's important. And I've been reading and listening and paying attention to uh, Christians who are same-sex attracted and their perspective on what's happening. One person said, pride or arrogance cannot exist in Christ. I need you to hear me on this. I'm okay with the LGBT community and the right to host a parade. I really am. I, uh, the freedom that they have to host the parade, uh, I, I, I can, okay, I can buy in on this in the sense of the freedom that they have. I don't necessarily, uh, agree to some of the uh, openness of the behaviors. I don't, I wouldn't even be open to that in other settings as well, but I am okay with it because it's the same freedom that someone might have to go and protest this and, and to stand on the sidelines. Now, I don't recommend it. I'm just, I want to be super clear on this. I don't recommend it, and especially those who are vicious about it and hold Bible verses. It makes me a little bit concerned about that. But it's also even just the same freedom that a church has in Forest that I was at a few weeks ago that shut down the entire main street and had a public worship service out in the open. I was like, this is the coolest thing in the world, right? It's the freedom that we have in the place in which we live. But here's the warning. Here's the warning for us today, and I believe this is hopefully a prophetic voice that you will receive. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 16, 5. The Lord detests all the proud proud of heart, but sure of this, they will not go unpunished. We all need to be warned here. Pride, the only ambition in pride is to destroy the work of God in our lives. See, the principalities and powers of this evil dark world is doing everything it can to oppose the things of God, the goodness of God. And it will take things that oppose God and make them look good. Like the other day I was paying for something and I was just, you know, just had my phone out and I was gonna tap it. And the person said, would you like to donate to pride? And instantly I thought about these verses. And now I didn't say anything. I kind of flinched. I was like, Donate to pride? Like pride is an opposition to God, the principalities and powers. Even the idea of, of what we see in the pride uh, messaging around the, the flag. Like I, I see this as, an, as something that opposes even God. Like think about this. God back in the Old Testament had to 
place his judgment on humanity because they had, had become so evil to the point where he even was heartbroken that he created humanity. And he sends a flood. And his promise of never doing that again is a rainbow in the sky. And the rainbow now is being used as a banner of pride. My heart breaks for the, for the LGBT community and not for what you think. My heart breaks because people are blindly walking into the trap of pride, believing that it is good when all it does is lead to ruin and rubble in our lives. When I think about this, I recognize that God is not just shrugging his shoulders and going, well, kids will be kids. I think about this in my own life. I think about the reality of pride in my life that opposes the things of God. I recognize sometimes that pride raises its ugly head within my heart, within my soul, and within my mind. Like there are, there's settings that I'm in where um, people will give a lot of praise for what God is doing here at Vital Point Church. And sometimes pride wells up inside of me. Sometimes it's like, yeah, you got it. Like we're doing great and God's doing great things. We're starting our fourth sight. And then I realize, I realize what Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 6, 4, 614. He says, the only thing that I boast in is the cross. See, there's an unhealthy pride and there's a unhealthy pride and there's a healthy boasting in the cross of Jesus Christ. And when that pride raises its ugly head, I have to literally nail it to the cross again and die to self because I recognize that it is in direct opposition to God. Foolish behavior says, I don't need God. I will live and express myself however I want, boasting in myself because I am the God of my life and I will create the outcomes, my truth, my way. And the warning is this, you build your life on the sand and it will come crashing down. A foolish person hears the words and does not do them is like a person who builds their house on the sand. And when the rain comes, the flood rises and the wind arrives. It falls and it, and Jesus even says, he says this, a great, and great was the fall of it. And what you need to understand there, Jesus is actually referring to an eternal aspect of the fall when we push God out of our lives and refuse to walk in obedience to him. When I got thinking about this sand and and rock and and the and the wise and the foolish something struck me about Jesus that I love it's this he never forces us in obedience to obedience he never forces us this is this is the greatest example of love that Jesus demonstrates to us he says i give you these options it is your choice. You choose to walk in obedience or not. Here's the consequences. You need to have clarity. This is a reality of what will happen. And if Jesus is the author of life, and he is the one that sustains life, we should probably pay attention to his teaching and what he asks of us. See, Jesus is not interested in a bunch of like um, puppets with strings and we just do as he says, no. Love says, I give you a choice. It was the same choice that he gave to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And, and, the, and the evil one came along and took something that God made it very clear. If you eat of this fruit, you will die. And he made it look good and they participated in it. 
I believe that this is a beautiful moment for us. See, I think the entire 10 weeks, and some of you are new today, and I apologize to you that you haven't been around for the first part. Maybe go back and watch on YouTube. But the entire 10 weeks is leading to a crossroads, and it's this. Will I be wise in obedience, or will I be foolish and disobey? I believe it's an important crossroads for all of us. And maybe the crossroads is this. You've never actually even submitted your life to Jesus Christ. You've never even said the the I do prayer. It's like, Jesus, I need you. Or maybe it's simply you've recognized that you have wandered away and you've allowed your ear to listen more to the things that social media tells you, what TikTok tells you, what Instagram reels tell you, what people with the loudest voices on Facebook tell you, and you're being discipled by the noises of the world. And the only thing that Jesus says is walk, hear me and walk in these things and you will be like a wise person who builds his house on a rock. As Jesus sat and taught, He taught from a place of authority with the expectation that we would decide to hear, obey, and walk. See, when the truth comes in, it lands in our hearts and it affects our actions and our actions are the things that activate our faith and obedience to him. Will you today decide, I'm gonna build my life on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ for he is the rock.